0: Burnett, it's so great to see you guys. I haven't had a chance to meet Bonnie, but Derek was here last year, and so we look forward to getting to know you guys better, and and, uh, we appreciate you, and great to have you back with us. When God created you, God created something special. He created you with an ability with an incredible capacity to think and to reason and to calculate and to hypothesize and to dream and to discover. He gave you a mind and, and a cognitive ability that is beyond anything that is not. Created in the image of God. There's a great chasm between us and the rest of creation that way. And he granted you and gave you, invested in you a volitional ability. The the will to act and to do and, and to make decisions. And the freedom to choose and to achieve and to accomplish. But there's another area that he blessed you with. And that is, he gave you the ability to feel Deeply, to have emotion to experience those emotions in their many faceted ways, uh, to look at a to look at a scene of absolute grandeur and majest, uh, majesty and, and, and just to take it in and, and to have the sense of elation and awe in that, God gave you that ability, uh, the ability to be able to hear a piece of music that is so moving and stirring that it's, it, it churns up something inside you and, and you emote in some way the warmth of being loved and cared for, to feel a caress, a hug, and to know you are loved, that ability God has given to you. The profound sadness that you experience when someone close to you dies or leaves and you feel that pain so deeply. The anger that wells up within you when you see injustice. We are emotional beings, and I can't imagine a life without emotion, without feeling. I saw a sci-fi movie once where where everyone in uh, in this society, they had just about eradicated disease but they also had taken away people's emotional response. And so you had these people in this, in this very uh, drab, uh, colorless existence without emotion where they just, just did their job and went in, in, this, in this crazy, emotionless world. Can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine me saying to Gerda, I love you, You are a very wonderful person, to reduce us to something that we don't feel and express those deep feelings. It's unimaginable because God created us in his image and he created us uh, with emotion. And, And if you look at God, God is an emotional God. If we look at God, the Son on earth, we see that. We see Jesus watching people flocking to him. And as he sees them coming, he's overcome with, with, with compassion for them. He cares deeply for them. Something in him starts to stir as he sees these people hurting, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We see Jesus going into the temple and there he is in the temple and, and he sees these business people ripping off the worshipers, selling uh, inappropriate animals for exorbitant prices and it welled up in him in anger and he began to turn the tables over and take a whip and drive the people out of there. He expressed anger. I want you to look at Jesus and here he is at the grave site of his friend Lazarus, and he sees the people crying there, and he sees uh, how uh, distressed they are. And he bursts out in tears, crying and weeping, indignant for the sight that he sees there. See, our God is a God who possesses emotion, and created in the image of God, we also have the capacity to feel deeply, And to experience profound emotion. And who could imagine it in any other way? See, emotion is a key component of who we are. In fact, the English word is built on a French word that means to stir up. Something stirs up within us. And we communicate uh, our, our, our passions, our sentiments, our affections, our feelings. Both pleasant and unpleasant are stirred up within us. And we communicate in part with our emotions. Um, I have a little game that I play with my grandchildren sometime, and I'll take and cut up some pieces of paper, and I'll put, I'll put an emotion on there, and, and we'll put it in a bowl, and the kids have to pick one, and then they have to, by their face, show what it is. So uh, it, it may be surprise, and they would go, or afraid, and, and they, would, they would show that emotion. It's a way that we express, express ourselves. Um, and and if, if, if I told you a tragic event, if I said, well, my nephew was backing out of his driveway, and unbeknownst to him, his little ch- two-year-old was there, and he drove over his two-year-old, and you went like this. <laughs> you would say, well, that's so inappropriate. It's so wrong. Our emotions go and are informed by the the situation, and we learn how to properly express emotions. It's so key to communication. Emotion must be consonant with the situation in which we find it. Uh, We can show compassion and anger and delight and wonder, and all these emotions can be so useful in helping us to express ourselves. If you lose a loved one, we often express that with tears. And, and we take that which is built up in us and we release that through tears. We, we release that stress. If we are fearful of experiencing fear, uh, we can get a shot of adrenaline in us and know to run or to, to head for the hills, to run from danger. And emotional health is a very important component of being well holistically, to be emotionally well and sound. An emotion can be your ally or it can be your enemy. You can be sometimes so angry that you hurt people and you smash things and it's inappropriate. Anger's not inappropriate, but the expression of anger can be inappropriate. You can enjoy laughter with somebody and release endorphins, and feel good, and release uh, some, some energy. And if emotions are so important and so good, then how do we express them appropriately, and how do we express our emotions to God? How do we express our joy and our delight, our sadness, our confusion? What do we do when we're angry? How do, we, how do we relate to God and talk to God? How do we express gratitude to God? You may be interested to know that there is a part of the Bible that really focuses in this kind of domain, where, where God helps us and teaches us how to relate to him with our emotions. The part of the Bible I'm talking to is the book of Psalms. It's in the middle of the Bible. It's at the very heart of the word of God. And it's God speaking through us. There's something something very unique about the Psalms in the Bible. Most of the Bible is an expression of God communicating with us. God speaking with us. God talking with us. If you think of the Ten Commandments, God is telling us who he is and what he wants of us. If you think of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus expresses what he wants for us. If you think of the epistles, the letters of the Apostle Paul, it's God speaking to us and relating to us what he wants us to know and to do. The distinctive feature of the Psalms in the Bible is that they're predominantly expressions not from God to us, but from us to God. Now, because it's in the Word of God, it's God's Word to us, but God gives us something that we can speak back to Him. You see, God speaks, and he's not, we're not in a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship. So God speaks to us in His Word, and we speak back to Him, and relate to Him, and respond to Him. And God gives a voice to His people uh, to speak to Him that is our faith is one of conversation god speaks we respond and so the psalms become a word to god from us the psalms you see are a collection of prayers poems and lyrics and uh, and god gave us these and many of them were put to music so they were sung uh, whether privately or corporately in the body, uh, but they come together for us to give us a voice to speak to God, to pour out our hearts to God. They teach us to pray. They teach us how we can express ourselves to God how, and express all of our emotions in the various moods that we have and experiences in our life of faith. So the Psalms teach us to pray. It's probably why the Psalms have been uh, so beloved over the years, the favorite of so many people, often read at funerals. I mean, how many funerals have you gone to when you didn't hear? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And and for 3,000 years, people have been deriving strength from the Word of God in the book of Psalms. C.H. Bullock said, No collection of poems has ever exercised as much influence in the Western world as the book of Psalms. Think of it as an anthology of songs and poems for worship and prayer that God has given to us. In fact, the book of Psalms is quoted in the New Testament more than any other part of Scripture. The song we sang this morning, uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, is a takeoff of an older version that was done some 500 years ago by Martin Luther. Martin Luther, that, that great reformer who people were trying to kill him. He, was, he, he had showed abuses in, in the church and was wanting to correct that. Uh, they were out to kill him. And he penned the words from, uh, on the basis of Psalm 46. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark. He pours out his heart in song. That was Psalm 46. Our God is a refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear no matter what happens. He used that, made a song of it, prayed it back to God. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? My very first baptism was my first funeral. Some of you are saying, I'm not going to let him baptize me. (laughs) Uh, There was a guy, I went to my first church, and there was a man who had cancer. He'd He'd been kind of peripheral to the church, but... I think having cancer really really caused him to think about how he lived his life and who he was and all the rest of that. And I remember uh, talking with him. And as cancer was ravaging his body, he, he said to me, Pastor, he said, I want to be baptized. I said, Paul, you want to be baptized? That's great. He was down to about 95 pounds at this point. He, was, he, he wanted to be baptized in the worst way. I said, well, we're going to do it. I remember him coming into the baptistry with a Gideon Bible. His hand was shaking so much, and I, I could see the Bible going into the water, and I kind of held my hand under the Bible, and he, with a frail voice, he opened the scripture to Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And he read a couple more verses, and I took the Bible from him, and I had the with the privilege of baptizing him, and he died one month to the day later. I buried him. It was, God is a refuge and strength. It's God as my light and my salvation. I'm not afraid of anything. Uh, the sense of wonder, the heavens declare the glory of God. No wonder the Psalms are so precious to us. So in the middle of the Bible, we have this collection of, Poems, prayers, uh, lyrics, if you will, collected over about an eight hundred year period. And I know a lot of a lot of times I hear people say, "Well, uh, the Psalms were written by David." No, he, he wrote a pile of them, but there were a lot of other authors over time, and they were collected together, and uh, and and of these various authors to express our heart to God. When we don't know what to say, we don't know how to pray, we have some prayers that may express for us exactly where our hearts are at and what we need to say to God. It's interesting, the title of the, of the psalms in Hebrew is Tehillim, Sefer Tehillim, the book of praises. Now, if you go through the psalms, you're going to find that like two-thirds of these songs psalms are complaints or laments, or, or the the, um, the the person who's penning it is in a really bad situation. Most of them are that they're tough. They're tough uh, situations that they're in. Uh, the title in uh, that we have Psalms really comes from the Greek Psalmoi, and and it meant songs that were to be sung with accompaniment. God gave us these psalms or songs so that we could learn to pray and to express our emotion all of our emotions to him in an appropriate way. And this gives us us the right and permission to speak to God and to pour out our hearts to him, out of the depths of our hearts. The great reformer John Calvin said of the Psalms that it was an anatomy of all parts of the soul. Now... um, if you would take and grab the Bible in the seat back in front of you, it's, a, it's kind of a burgundy color. If you would take that Bible, I want you to hold it up like this. And I, I'm specifically asking you to do this. You may have it on your phone. I just want you to do this for a second. And I want you to go to the very center of what the Bible, where the Bible is. Now, if you open up, that up at the very center, uh, I've tried this. You're probably a little bit to the right of where you need to go. So if you open it up right about the center, you may hit Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or something like that. Just go left a little bit and you'll see the whole collection of the Psalms right in the heart of the Bible, 150 of them. You got it? Have you found it? Now go back to the start of the Psalms, right to to Psalm 1. And that's the start of the collection of 150 of these songs, uh, poems, uh, written for us. I want you to notice that some of these have a, a, a little title on them. For instance, the third one. You see number three? It says, a psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. So it tells us this was born out of an experience the King David had when his son Absalom tried to overturn him, uh, throw, overthrow his father and take over the throne, and how he had to leave. Uh, and, and this was the prayer that, was, that David wrote. Um, some, look at Psalm 4. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. So sometimes they're going to say, uh, what instruments this is to be played with. Um, some of them, uh, you know, in number five, it says uh, to the choirmaster for the flutes. Um, some of them, you'll have the actual tune. And one was, you know, will say, sing, "Sing, this to the lilies." The lilies. It was a, it was a, a tune that they knew, and it was be, to be done to that. And so there are these um, bits of of information that can help us a little bit in understanding something about the psalm as well. So here God gives us the psalms to pour out our hearts. Philip Yancey called some of these primal scream prayers. Have you ever feel that way? That when you're just ready to explode and you've got to have one of those ah! primal scream? Some of these are that. Some of these will express that. Um, I told you two-thirds of the Psalms are really like down and outer, kind of. They're country and western songs. You know, my dog died, my wife left me, the car broke down. It's it's that kind of a song. Um, or if you're not country and western, maybe the blues. or Or maybe... Or maybe a Negro spiritual. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. And when we read the Psalms, they seem really chaotic. Because you start, in, and um, we're going to have a really brief look at the first two Psalms this morning. But, but as you get into Psalm 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, they're all downers. They're like, my life is terrible. Things are happening. God, I need your help. Where are you? Um, and then you hit. This really positive thing, God, you are with me. I praise you. I'm so excited about you, God. And you say, like, couldn't they have been organized? Maybe the down and outers and the up and uh, the up and inners and, and and whatever it is. You know, life is messy, right? You know, you're gonna have a great day, and the next day, bang, you're hit by something. Something happens. Some something terrible happens, and, and you've got to deal with life that is not. Life doesn't just go like that or just like that. They're ups and downs. And so the Psalms are, are, are kind of seem chaotic, chaotic. They're happy or they're sad. Or, and, and these can be set off beside each other. Do you know Jesus prayed the Psalms? Here is Jesus and he's hanging on the cross. And he prays the first verse of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? May I suggest to you that the father hadn't forsaken him? But his feeling was, I just feel like my heavenly father has abandoned me as I hang here on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the next psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Isn't that kind of like life? Is Life can be messy, it can be great, and it can be terrible, and it can be up, and it can be down. And so the Psalms can kind of look a little messy when we see a downer and an upper, and, and, and these all kind of sometimes fitting in beside each other. Well, that's life's journey. The interesting thing is, when it says the title that the Hebrews gave to this was a book of praise, that ultimately we're heading toward praise. But even when you're in in the the, the pit, even when you're in the valley, even when things are tough, even then we can learn to praise. So even though two-thirds of these are are like, help, Lord, still in there, it's directing us to praise, even in the tough times. So this summer, we're going to go through the Psalms and we're going to kind of pick up on different expressions of emotion um, as, as we move and work through here. And we're going to see something about what God had planned for us in the Psalms. And hopefully, some things will touch a nerve in us. And we will learn how to pray. We'll learn how to pray the Psalms that God has given us back to Him. Well, how do we, how do we get into the Psalms? Um, I want to suggest to you, that Psalm 1 and 2 give us some initial uh, instruction to prepare our hearts to sing. That's what I've entitled this message, Preparing to Sing. Um, Whether that's a country and western tune or it's a praise tune, we need to prepare ourselves to move through the psalms in their wide range of emotions. And to prepare ourselves uh, to get warmed up Uh, What we need to do is we need to set some basis for expressing ourselves to God. Eugene Peterson has said that Psalm 1 and 2 stand as joint pillars to the gate that leads into the Psalms or the hymn book of the Bible. So what I want to do is I want to look very briefly at Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 and see how they set the the stage for us moving into the Psalms and preparing uh, to be able to sing and pray these back to God. Um, There are a couple things to remember when we take this pathway forward. And Psalm 1 gives us uh, a picture here. And and I want to suggest to you that I want to write over Psalm 1 as we think about getting into the Psalms and experiencing this. First, Psalm 1, trust God's word. Trust God's word. If you you still have your your Bible open, um, you can can see this. Psalm 1 was read for us uh, this morning. It says, Blessed is the man or woman. Blessed. Blessed. Happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Trust God's word. In life, you know what I found? There are a lot of people that will speak into your life. There are a lot of influencers in your life. A lot of people will tell you which way to go, um, what, what to do. And he says you need to be careful that you have the right kind of influence in your life, because there are people out there. There's the counsel of the uh, the wicked. Uh, don't don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. There are people that will tell you, you know, you deserve better than you get. You should do this in your marriage, or you should do that, or you do, you should you should have this. And and sometimes it's terrible, terrible advice. Watch where you get your advice. Uh, watch. Who, you, who influences you? You stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, the people who just mock that. Rather than that, he says, you'll be blessed if you have the influence of the word of God in your life. And, and here, here's how, how he says, um, you delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, you meditate day and night. You have the word of God and you, you get it into you and you think about it. Uh, to meditate is, the word mean, means really, um, to kind. it's kind of like to speak to yourself or mutter to yourself, you know, um, but his light is in the law of the Lord and his law, he meditates day and night. He, he meditates day. and And to go over it and, and to speak it back to yourself and think about how it applies to you. It's like, it's like ruminating. Um, you know, cows have multiple stomachs, and what they do is they regurgitate some of the food they ate and chew it over again. Take and chew it over. Think about it. Ruminate on it. Um, and and when when you do this, um, what what you'll find is God will bless you and He will guide your path. Let let the word of God inform you and guide you on your journey to shape how you think, what you do and what you don't do. He says there's, there's blessing in that. And he shows us two pictures. Uh, the one picture is a picture of a tree. Imagine you, there's, a, there's a, a, a beautiful river, and beside the river is a tree. And, and the, that tree has a constant source of, of uh, hydration, water is there. uh, It it can soak up that. And it's healthy. And it's strong. And it's rooted. And it's green. And it bears fruit. It's everything you would want in a tree. It's prosperous and fruitful. He says, I want to tell you another picture. That's the person who meditates on the Word of God and follows the Word of God. But there's another picture. And it's a picture of chaff. And, And some of you some of you people have not had the privilege of the experience of, I mentioned before, like grabbing the head of, uh, uh, of wheat and, and rubbing it in your hand and watch the, the chaff come off and then taking and eating the little kernel. Or, or to see in Bible days where they'd go up in a high place and they would, they would flail out the, uh, the grain and, and then they would take like a blanket and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow the chaff away because it's, it's good for nothing. Uh, it, it, it blows away, it's light, it's valueless. And he says, here's a picture. If you follow God's word, you'll be blessed. And and if you don't, you're, you're just like the chaff that, that will blow away. It, it won't stand in the judgment, he says. Uh, it, but, the sin, but Jesus, God knows his own. But the way of the wicked shall perish. And so when you start this journey, remember to keep anchored, to trust to trust in God's word and to anchor yourself to it. And in Psalm 2, I want to say this, trust God's son. When you journey in faith, I can assure you, you will not be immune from opposition or challenges or hostility or difficulty. That stuff is going to come. And right in, in chapter 3, uh, the third psalm, as we go through them, you see that that's just, that's what life is. Sometimes there are a lot of challenges and difficulties. And when you're journeying, you have to understand that there are dangers. And in that, what do you do? You need to trust in God and you need to trust in his son. So the psalms um, are, uh, uh, in Psalm 2, there's this expression of this international conspiracy against God and against his anointed or his son, his Messiah, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's burst their, their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. They're people that are against God. They fight God. They fight the people of God. And what is God's response? I love God's response. Look at verse 4. He who sits in this heavens laughs. God goes... This is. Look at these puny ants. Look at them shaking their fist in my face. He will speak to them. In the Lord who sits in heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He'll speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I've put my Messiah there. He says there's this opposition from people. That opposition may come in many ways, uh, opposing God, politically, economically, with technology, or or militarily, or education, or whatever it is. It, It militates against God, and it can be scary, and it can be intimidating. And God's reaction is quite comforting. God laughs, he scoffs, he derides them. Really? Are you kidding? This is what you've got? Show me what you've got? (laughs) That's crazy. Are you crazy? He's not afraid. Our God is not afraid. He's enthroned, he establishes Messiah, and and, and he, he, he doesn't worry about that at all. Really? Really, people, this is what you have for me? God goes, Boo! And they scatter. You know, there's... He goes on to say, I'll tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. This is of the Messiah. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations for your heritage. And the ends of the earth your possession. You'll break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a a potter's vessel. Can you imagine a heavy iron rod and and a, a piece of pottery and take and just smash it? He says don't be afraid, I have power and authority against all of all wickedness and people who are, who are going to be against me. And then he concludes it. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and, rejoicing, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. He says, uh, you, "You don't have to worry." And he said, "You people who want to fight against me, you better think twice before you want to engage with me, because I will, I will judge you. I'll put you away." And be warned: serve the Lord, get on His team, worship Him, kiss the Son, show show uh, obeisance and honor for Him and respect for Him. Jesus is sovereign. And, and he is driving all of history. And as we begin this journey, we need to remember, keep anchored to the Word of God, and keep anchored to the Son of God, and, and, and God Himself. It's an interesting thing. If you notice, the first word in in the Psalms is "blessed" is the man or woman. And when you go to chapter two and you finish off, "blessed are all those who take refuge in Him." It kind of envelopes the whole thing. Trust, trust the Word of God. Live by the Word of God. And trust God himself and his son. As you begin this journey. Anchor yourself in the word of God. And in the son of God. Well the New Testament people. um, They learn to pray these prayers. They learn to think of life in terms of these prayers. And I think of the early church. Peter gets up and he shares his message, and 3,000 people become followers. Peter, who wouldn't even associate or have his name associated with Jesus at Jesus' trial. That same Peter stands up, preaches a message, and there's pushback. I mean, they're in, they're in the backyard of Jesus' enemies, and they're hauled into the Sanhedrin and, and called before them and put in prison, uh, they'd be beaten they were threatened don't you dare speak in his name and what they do when they got out is they have a prayer meeting and in their prayer meeting in acts 4 they lifted their voice together and said sovereign lord who made the heaven and earth and sea and everything in it they're anchored to who God is he's the creator of everything man this guy create he he's responsible for everything that is um who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to, qu- to quote Psalm 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And here's their response. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. They were all against him. The rulers, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, the Jews, everyone was against the Lord's anointed. And and uh, to do, listen, to do whatever, <laughs> I love this, to do whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place. Hey, I'm still in control. You see all this mess? Don't worry, I'm still in control, he says. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hands and heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And what are they doing? They're just praying back Psalm 2. Oh, the rulers who took, took counsel against the Lord and his anointed, yeah, yep. Yeah, here they are. But we're anchored in who it is. And so you want to threaten us? You want to kill us? What doesn't matter. We're going to keep speaking in Jesus' name. And the place where they were was shaken. This is praying the Psalms. This is getting the Psalms in. So this morning, I want to prepare us to enter into this journey, to to enter through the gates into these expressions and experiences that others have had, some of which are going to resonate with us and we're going to say, that's my prayer, that I can pray to God and he's going to teach us to pray more with with, with a kind of depth that perhaps we've not. To hear the, 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 the psalmist being angry to see, hear him frustrated, to hear him anxious, and to realize that that can be me. And by God's power and his strength, um, I'll be able to express my joy and my heartache, my fear and my anger, my awe and my wonder and all of those things as we enter in. You ready to take the next step? So here's, here's, that's where we're going this summer. We're going to go through different Psalms, and we're going to learn how to pray back to God from His Word as He teaches us. And I trust that it will enrich your life, it will enrich your prayer life, and that you will be strengthened by it. Let's pray.